Well, happy Ascension and happy Mother's Day. Praise God. Two beautiful things. With that we celebrate the Ascension of Jesus Christ, the fact that after he died and rose from the dead, he was with the apostles and the disciples for 40 days, teaching them, instructing them in the ways of establishing the church and how to go evangelize. And then he ascended, body and soul, up into heaven. They watched him literally go up into the sky. That is the ascension, which I will talk about in just a few moments. I first want to hit a little bit on Mother's Day. And what a beautiful gift it is to be a mother. It's an amazing vocation, the fact that a child is literally conceived inside of somebody's body, another person grows, and that person enters the world. That is incredible. Blessed indeed among all women. And what I want to emphasize is that every woman, by definition, is called to be a mother. Now this call that every woman has to be a mother is manifested in different ways. Some women are mothers. Biologically, they bring life into the world. Other women become mothers, maybe through adoption. But even those mothers, those women who do not have children, are also called to be mothers in some way, spiritual mothers. I will give you an example. I am a priest. I'm a celibate priest. I will never have biological children. I will never adopt a child. But people call me father because I am a father. I do help bring spiritual newness into the world to conceive children spiritually. In fact, the greatest gift that I get to participate in as a priest is getting to see people truly be made new. I get to sit down with people, it's incredible, meet them one day, and they're broken, have many wounds. They might be on the edge of, why am I even here anymore? Why do I exist? Even maybe questioning their own life. And then to watch God work through them, I just kind of watch it, I don't really do anything, I just gotta watch, it's incredible, give them some tools, to watch God transform them, and then months later, maybe a year, even a little bit more, to go, whoa, who is this person? Oh, that's a healed, new creation in Christ. Truly watching that happen. And so I really want to reiterate that to every woman out here today, that you are called to be a mother. And we know this innately, even after your children go to college. This is why women at times who have biological children have identity crisis when their kids go away. How do I still be a mother? Or when you lose a child to death, some sort of tragedy, how do I still be a mother? So every woman is called to have that vocation. It is manifested and seen in different ways. Don't be afraid to ask God, God, how do I live out that call? How do I live out that vocation as a woman, as a mother? And in the same sense that every woman is called to be a mother, so too is every person called to be a disciple and listen to the command of Jesus Christ. His last words as he ascended into heaven, he said to the disciples, go out and evangelize the world. That call was not just for the apostles. That was called for every disciple. It is not just the mission of the priests to go out there and evangelize. There's only three of us here at St. Patrick's. There's thousands of people in St. Charles. 
I'm not, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I was going out there and evangelizing every second I breathe. And so every human being is called to be a disciple and evangelize. And we are called to do incredible things. Jesus Christ said some bold things. He said, you disciples, I am leaving. And he said two amazing things. One thing today, another one he said earlier. He said, you will do greater things than I did. You will perform greater miracles than me. And then he just said, you will learn new languages. You will pick up deadly things. You will drink deadly things and not die. You will heal people. The sick will recover. People will be blind. You will heal them. People will be deaf. You will make them hear. Jesus Christ said, that is possible. And it is. And it still happens today. We are called to help participate in that. There is physical healing and spiritual healing. One example for a person to become a saint after they've died, they have to have two miracles after death. The reason for this is because if somebody has some sort of sickness, cancer or something, and it's incurable, if I then go pray, okay, John Paul, help heal my mother, if we ask for his intercession, and then one day she wakes up miraculously healed, we can put two and two together, say, okay, person listening to prayers, they ask God, heal this person, miraculously healing, Okay, you can be pretty sure that person's in heaven. The church requires two of those miracles. About four years ago, there was a child born, or conceived, and then brought into the world in Peoria. That child had the umbilical cord, was tied into a nut. And so the heart was not beating. His name was James. And so James was not living, and the doctors tried to revive him. And while they're trying to revive him for five minutes, 10, 20, 25, 30, they kept trying because his family was so distraught. They were asking for the intercession of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who didn't die too long ago, asking for his prayers to heal and miraculously bring this child back to life. After 61 minutes, the heart started again. Miraculous. Doctors looked at that child and told them, like, this is not normal. This is a miracle. And the child will not have any functioning. I mean, he didn't have oxygen or a heart for 61 minutes. He won't be able to run or speak, have any really ability to do anything. That child is now four years old, James Fulton. He runs, he talks, he's in school. That is a miracle that just happened four years ago. And this is why now Archbishop Fulton Sheen will, God willing, be a canonized saint. And so miracles are still happening. True physical healings. And then there are other miracles, spiritual ones. People have wounds. I'll give you another example. Just a couple of months ago, I was, went down to Los Angeles. I've been starting this new ministry. It's basically like street evangelization. Where I go out to like LA, or I went to the Cubs game a couple days ago. And I stand there, I have a microphone, and then another priest with a camera. And we like sit there and just like have people talk to us about their beliefs. They could be Catholic, they could be atheist, Muslim, Buddhist, anti-Catholic, whatever. Let's just talk. So we go out there and have these conversations. We were in LA, right in the Hollywood Boulevard a couple months ago. And in the Hollywood Boulevard, if you've been there, very eclectic, very interesting people. And then also people trying to make money in different like costumes. So you've got like Spider-Man over here, talking, trying to make money. You've got Captain America over here. You've got Catwoman, all these different characters. So as I'm interviewing different people, a guy wearing a Freddy Krueger mask is walking by. If you know Freddy Krueger, it's like a scary movie, right? You got like 
deformed kind of face and like knives coming out of his fingers, like a Wolverine thing, except for he doesn't protect people. Opposite. And so he's walking by while I'm interviewing, and he just shouts out at me, and he says, I'm a sinner. And he kept walking. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Bless you. I didn't know what to say. He just walked by so quickly. Went back to interviewing. I prayed for him in that moment with the priest. And then a few minutes later, he came up to me. He goes, hey, are you really a priest? Which is a good question. Everyone's in costumes. Okay? Spider-Man's out there. So like, I might be in a costume. I don't know, I'm trying to make money, I don't know. And so, I said, yeah, I'm a real priest. I am. I really am a priest. It's not a costume. It's real. And he goes, okay, well, I don't know. I said, why are you out here? He said, I'm just out here trying to talk to people. And I like doing this costume thing because I get to talk to everybody and I kind of get to take pictures and it's kind of fun. And so I asked him, I don't know, do you have any belief in God? And he goes, uh, no, no. I used to, not anymore. So, okay, why not? He said, well, I was a Christian, and there's too many hypocrites. He said, people like claim to be Christians, they claim to have faith, and then they do terrible things. He's like, I experienced this being out here. I'm wearing this outfit, and then people aren't nice to me, but yet they claim to be Christians. And he said, if you're going to go worship God, you should probably act that way. He says, and not enough people are doing that. They go in the church, they worship God, they say, praise you, you're awesome, and then they go out and do terrible things. He said, that's backwards. He said, people should first try to become like him, then maybe they should worship him. Like, you can't just be hypocrites. And I said, okay, there is some sort of truth to that. Yeah, we shouldn't be hypocrites. Christians should actually live true lives like Jesus Christ, but we are broken by definition. We're not going to be perfect. And so, yes, we're going to strive to be good, but we're going to make mistakes. And we are going to be hypocritical at times. And so I said, well, where are you from? Because he had an accent. I couldn't really see his face because he wore the mask. He said, I'm from Italy. I said, oh, Italy. Okay. I, I mean, obviously you raised Catholic, right? In Italy. He said, yeah, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I said, oh, okay. Well, what happened? Why aren't you Catholic anymore? He said, well, when I was growing up in school, I would have questions about the faith because I would learn things from the teachers. And I would ask certain questions to my parents and to the teachers and to the nuns, and I would ask things like, we are taught Adam and Eve, and then there's a snake and a serpent, and he's talking, and there's this apple, and do we actually believe that a literal snake was talking to these people? And when I asked the question, they just shut me down. He said, no, you don't, don't ask questions. You don't question God. Just believe. Don't ask questions. He said, I would try to ask other questions. They would say, don't question God. You just believe. Stop that. And you could tell in his tone of voice that this hurt him. And so I said, gosh, Freddie. I, I didn't know his real name, but I said, Freddie. <laughs> Freddie, I'm really sorry that happened to you. You had legitimate questions and they should have been answered. You were seeking and you got shut down. I said, I, I can tell you that now in the, in the church, we encourage questions. I, I go to the school, I'm 
I have one with K through eight and with preschool kids too. When they ask questions, we like to answer them. We encourage questions. We say, hey, ask more. If you're seeking the truth, great. Don't be afraid to question it. If something is true, then it's not going to stop being true if you ask questions. In fact, you're going to learn more of that truth if you question it. I said, I can tell you that. And I said, in fact, all those stories, there's many stories in Scripture written for people thousands of years ago who weren't that educated or couldn't even read. And people are trying to illustrate for them divine truths. And so at times, they illustrated things to make points. And so yes, there was a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, but whether it was a snake or a donkey or just a voice like speaking inside of their internal brain, we don't know. It doesn't make a difference. What is important in that story is that there was a man and woman who God loved perfectly and they rejected him through temptation. He said, that's the truth. That's the answer you should have gotten. He said, well, thank you. I'm glad that they let you ask questions now. I really, this was really good talking. And then he said, um, thank you, this was the best part of my day. So I'm going to pray for you every day. He said, thank you, best part of my day. And he walked away. Now the reason I share that is because in a three or four minute conversation, some sort of wound was exposed for that guy. And in three or four minutes, somehow part of that wound was healed. That's why he said this was the best part of my day. And you could hear when I was talking to him that he was tearing up, starting to get emotional. And in those three or four minutes, I didn't do anything. I just kind of talked to him. Jesus Christ initiated that healing, did amazing things in his heart. And I would debate that that level of healing is far greater than any physical healing. That healing is far greater than somebody who's blind could be able to see or someone who can't walk walking. The reason I say that is because those things are still temporal. They're going to end. We're going to die. So even if one day you're healed, you will die. If one day you can see, you will die. But what is eternal is that wound in his spiritual life and his soul to be healed for eternity, to then receive actual love. And so we are called to great things. Every single person in these pews today is called to great things. To do what Jesus Christ said, to initiate and bring healing in other people's lives, you as a disciple are called to do that. And we must take up this call today. Because by definition, the person sitting next to you, your wife or your husband or your child or a friend or whatever family member it is, or the coworker you're going to see on Monday, they have some deep, deep wound that you don't even know about. And they are so wanting to be loved there. They are so wanting someone to heal them. How long was Freddie walking around with that wound? Years. And so the question is, will you ask God for great gifts? Will you say, yes, God, teach me to be this person with your help, Jesus Christ, to heal other people for eternity? Will I help heal the sick to make those who are blind to see the truth? of that truth on the cross? Will I be that disciple, that prophet, that evangelizer, that healer? Because with the help of God in this Eucharist, which we're about to consume in a second, it's not just possible, but it's going to happen. And that's when radical things happen in this town, in your homes, and throughout the world. When we say yes to God. And so do not be afraid. This is an incredible call. All you have to do is ask and say yes, and God will do incredible things through us.